Dishmonger. I'm Daniel Hartz. I was born in Los Angeles, California in January uh, 1990. And um, I lived in LA until I was about 10 years old. Uh, and then when we were 10, um, my mom and I moved up to the Bay Area. So this is near San Francisco in California until, and I moved, I lived with my parents until I was about 20 years old, which was halfway through university. Um, I went to San Francisco State University from the ages of 18 to 20. Didn't like it there, so I transferred out, moved to a different university in Santa Barbara. Um, so kind of coming back down to LA. After, after uni, I met uh, my partner Natalie um, in Santa Barbara, and then we um, moved down to Los Angeles together um, mostly for her job. And then that's kind of like where life started really for me and for, for us, I suppose. And then three years after we moved down to LA, um, Natalie was offered a job, uh, in London. Uh, and so she is an English citizen. So it was easy for us to move and I was able to get a visa. So we moved together. So that was about four years ago. Uh, four and a half years ago as of this recording. Yeah, and, and, and we've lived here in London since. Food is something that is a comfort for me. I love to eat and I love to eat well. I am not someone who is interested in taking five hours to cook a dish. I'm happy to eat something, but I don't particularly care so much as to how it was made. Um, I don't want to learn necessarily the, um, the ins and outs of all the various techniques or, um, you know, how you, you know, what the ingredients are. Um, I'd rather just uh, enjoy it. Sometimes I eat too quickly because um, I think I use food as a, uh, as kind of like a defense mechanism sometimes. And uh, yeah, at the same time, um, again, I think food is something that brings a lot of people together because growing up food, um, you know, the kitchen really was the most important room in the house. And every time I go home, I'm always in the kitchen, like the way that at least my mom's house is literally constructed. The kitchen is in the center. It's kind of, um, the house is in the shape of a U sort of, and the, the, um, the kitchen is at the kind of in the middle there. So in order to get to any part of the house, you almost always have to walk through the kitchen. So everyone always sits in the kitchen and at my dad's house, it's uh, it's similar. There's just a lot of activity. It's always in the kitchen. So food is something that um, whenever I go home, that's like the center of attention. With my mom, I would say food was very sort of functional um, because uh, so my, my parents got divorced when I was quite young. So was, I was living with my mom on my own for a long for a while, um, for about four or five years. And food was something that just needed to sort of get done quickly. And I always ate by myself, as far as I remember. Um, when it came time to eating with my grandparents, so with my with my dad's parents, um, food was something that was always a really big fun occasion and something I really looked forward to because when my grandma would cook, it would be a lot. And still to this day, it's a lot of food. 
lots and lots, and that's fantastic because I love to eat a lot. Whereas on my mom's side, um, it was much less of an occasion and something that just sort of, I guess, needed to happen. But yeah, I, I would say that it's only with with on my dad's side where food is is a really well. That's not fair because my I have a big family and every person cooks in their own way. Um, and at least at when I go home, we rarely eat together. So everyone sort of just cooks for themselves almost or prepares something for themselves. So there's no kind of like, you know, here's how we eat as a family because we we don't necessarily eat as a family unless we try really hard to make that happen. And in which case we need to schedule it almost. My favorite dish or one that kind of always brings me the greatest joy is um, it's a Russian salad, which is actually, it's a French name, which is Salade Olivier. Um, and in Russian, it's pronounced in a similar way, which is Salat Olivia. Um, it's basically a potato salad. It's not that different from a regular potato salad. It's just the way that my family has made it, which um, means that I really like it. What's fantastic about this salad, and again, you'll notice this theme that it's usually, the food is usually determined how much I like it in terms of the quantity of it. So typically when the salad was made, it would be made in a massive bowl. I mean, this thing was probably like 10 gallons. It's huge. And you put potatoes obviously into it, peas, carrots, um, and typically you put ham in there, um, lots of mayonnaise, pickles or fresh cucumbers depending, but I prefer pickles. Uh, yeah, it would be placed in this massive vat. And, uh, and then when you stir it, especially when the mayonnaise in there, it makes this really kind of sticky sound, which I really like. It, it's just, that's the sound of it being ready to be eaten, which um, is highly satisfying. And then, um, and then uh, it would be really good with a piece of bread, like dark black bread. So I actually learned to cook when I was six years old because I lived with my mom and my mom wasn't always able to cook for me. She taught me how to make eggs when I was six. Um, she taught me to make scrambled eggs. And so there's photos of me when I'm uh, quite young, like sort of barely able to reach and see over the hob or stove um, cooking eggs. And it was something I just got really good at. And I felt very, very comfortable with cutting stuff and sort of putting stuff in it. There was a point where I actually thought I would be a, a chef because I just enjoyed, enjoyed it so much. Um, and that was kind of until about maybe the age of 10 or 11. I think I enjoyed the eating more than the cooking, uh, as it turns out. Um, so then, then if we fast forward many years, like about 10 years to when I moved to Santa Barbara and I was living on my own, um, I discovered this uh, diet called the paleo diet, which um, focuses mostly on meat and vegetables and fruits and nuts, and it cuts out all types of grain. By then I really knew that I, I preferred to eat than to cook because I would always make the exact same thing for weeks at a time. Like um, I have no problem eating the same thing every single day. So like I can have the same salad with hummus and chicken for two years straight for lunch and I will be happy about that. I have a podcast about sustainability uh, where I speak to what I call champions of sustainability. These are individuals who are um, finding ways to protect and heal the planet. I think there's a lot of doom and gloom in the press and in the media about the environment, and there's a lot of issues, no doubt about that. I think 
what we also need to remember is that there are actually a lot of people who are working hard to do something about these challenges. And so for me, I find that very fascinating and I find it to be um, more important to focus on the positive side of the story because I think we, we get enough of the negative side. And so from a food point of view, food is actually something that, and farming specifically is something that I'm really particularly interested in, in the sustainability space, because uh, food is something that affects all of us every single day. Everyone eats, um, or at least everyone wants to eat. And um, there are ways to grow food that is more uh, in line with how nature works. And I find that really interesting because if you, what, what I've been learning is that if you grow food in a way that is in line with the way nature works, you can actually produce even more food than you've typically um, could from conventional farming. Um, I have interviewed a, num a couple of farmers on the podcast. One of them is a, is a leading regenerative um, farmer who's based in, based in North Dakota, I believe. He's uh, really well known in this tiny little niche. Um, and, and another farmer, uh, who does something similar. And more recently, I've been interviewing and speaking to people who are changing the way that meat is made. So there's um, two different types of kind of what are called alternative proteins. There's um, plant-based, so like, I mean, tofu, for instance, or, um, or Beyond Burger, where they're taking like pea protein and turning it into something that actually kind of like more or less tastes and even looks like meat and behaves like meat. And then there's this other alternative protein, which a lot of people in the industry are calling cultured meat. And what they do, there's a few different techniques, but one of them, which is really easy to explain, is they take stem cells, which are the cells in your body that create new cells. So like if you get a cut, for instance, on your skin, um, stem cells will start generating new cells to connect it and grow it back together. Um, so they take those cells and they put it in a big vat and it grows muscle protein. And then they take that and they're making like sausages out of that. So it means that no animals need to be um, harmed or even used. You get one basically blood sample and you just collect the stem cells from that. And next thing you know, uh, you can grow meat in a vat for millions of people anywhere in the world. Um, it's pretty it's pretty radical and it's really kind of futuristic stuff and I'm not sure how much I agree with all of it. I think it's a really important aspect to, for us to become more sustainable because currently meat production is not sustainable at all. Um, I think animals have a place in farming because they're really good for um, for the for the soil. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of what the pod, well, that's the areas that I, I explore in the podcast and, and where my interests come from and, and how they're, how they've come to be. There's a company based in Singapore that creates cell-based or, or cultured um, crustaceans. So meaning they, they create shrimp. They're currently working on shrimp in, in a lab. Um, and they're also moving on to lobster right now, I believe. And then they'll be doing crab. So it's crab meat and lobster meat and shrimp meat um, that they're creating in a lab. And one of the things that I learned by talking to the CEO of this uh, podcast, of this uh, company rather, is that she discovered that some shrimp farms use sewage in order to grow shrimp um, because shrimp are bottom feeders. 
So shrimp are basically animals that clean the, uh, the ocean floor. And it's a very important job. Catfish do the same. So shrimp really thrive when there's a lot of dirt. Um, so what some shrimp farms do is they, uh, they add dirt into the water where the shrimp grow. And um, when I heard that, I thought that was absolutely revolting. And since then, um, I haven't been able to really eat shrimp at all because uh, it's absolutely disgusting. So what, what they do is they, uh, first they, they put um, a lot of shrimp um, are bathed in like chlorine and they're fed tons of antibiotics um, because of the amount of absolutely disgusting stuff that they're living in. Um, and then uh, they are colored again in order to get a um, uh, like a pink color to it. Um, they're also oftentimes pumped with water because they're really, really small. Um, and, and that kind of like makes them plump again. Um, and so since I heard all of this, I just um, lost my appetite for shrimp. And I'm going to wait until her company makes cell-based shrimp before I eat shrimp again, really. So this is something where I've, um, I actually was invited over to, uh, this was over the, the weekend just now, we, we were, in, Natalie and I were invited over to, Nat, um, to her cousin's house and they asked me to cook dinner for them or to make one specific dish, which a few weeks prior I made and they said they wanted it again because it was so delicious. Um, and in my opinion, this is probably the easiest thing I've ever done, which is uh, why I like it so much because it's quick and simple. Um, it's basically just baked chicken thighs. The way you do it is um, I'm going to use Celsius for the oven um, and you can figure out the Fahrenheit if you need to um, for all, all those people listening in America. Um, so you turn the oven on to, it depends on your oven. We have, as it turns out, a really weak old oven. So I turn it up to like 250 degrees Celsius here, which is really, really high. Um, at our cousin's, at Natalie's cousin's house, we did it up to, um, I think it was about 235 is probably enough for 240. You basically want it really hot. While that's preheating, you take your chicken thighs with, with the skin on. Skin on is very important um, because it keeps the juices in. And you put salt, pepper, uh, if you can actually get like real garlic, um, I would put that on top. I always put turmeric on it because I put turmeric on everything. Um, and I think it gives it a nice flavor anyway, but if you don't like it, then don't bother. And a lot of lemon juice. I don't think you can really go overboard on the lemon. I typically do half a lemon for two pieces. So like for four pieces of chicken, that's one full lemon. Um, and you can put it as much as you want because it like all the juices seep into, or just like the chicken ends up sitting in it. Um, also, if you put a little bit of oil onto the skin, that's good too. Once the oven has preheated to, you know, let's say two, 240 degrees, um, you put the chicken in for about 20 minutes. Um, not about, for 20 minutes, set the timer. And once the timer goes off, lower the temperature to uh, 200 and leave it in for another kind of 20, 22 minutes. Uh, and then you're done. That's it. It's the best chicken you will ever have. So, so the podcast, as well as the Instagram channel, if you're interested, is um, called Sustainability Champions, and it focuses on good news. It's a very positive, orientated 
uh, podcast and sort of media channel in general, I like to focus on solutions rather than only on the problems. Um, so if you're interested in, in hearing about all sorts of what people are doing to be environmentally friendly and to help others be environmentally friendly and learn what you can do to be environmentally friendly in your daily life, um, check out the uh, Sustainability Champions podcast. It's on pretty much every single um, uh, podcatcher that you can find. Uh, also, check, take a look at our Instagram, at uh, Sustainability Champions. Thank you. Dishmonger.